Reese Rogers, and this is Close Town Pod. Welcome back. I hope that you're doing all right in this challenging time. Um, And I'm really excited to share this episode with you because listening back to it over this past week has given me a lot of hope that I was having trouble finding on my own in face of this global crisis. Um, Otomo, or Tyler Tremini, in his offstage form is one of my favorite Louisville music makers and dearest co-workers at the Mayan Cafe. And yes, that was a shameless plug for the Mayan Cafe. In these trying times, small businesses need you. Please go get a burrito to go from Mayan if you live in Louisville and have the resources. They're a wonderful employer, and I'm grateful to have Ann Shadel and Bruce Ukan every day for their leadership and just for letting me hang out in a building full of amazing people like Tyler over the course of this past year. Um, Atomo creates really wonderful dance music um, that also has subliminal political messaging that is incredibly powerful um, and uses sort of a whole arsenal of musical and lyrical skills to bring challenging information to the forefront in an accessible way. Um, And I guess that's really all I have to say about it for this intro. We talked for kind of a long time in this podcast, so I'm going to shut up and um, let Tyler do the work here. Uh, The music that you hear behind me right now is his song, Window Down, that will appear on the upcoming album, Limelight. It should be out in May. I'm not sure if that plan has changed, uh, considering uh, cancellations due to COVID-19. But it's, it's wonderful, and when it's out, I definitely recommend you listen to it. In the meantime, I've linked to his band camp, in this description, and I highly suggest you um, turn up his songs and That's what this is. I'm pretty sure. No, I'm I'm ready now. Okay, okay. Um, So, Tyler, what is a Tomo? Oh, God. (laughs) Heavy questions (laughs) first. All right. Um, A Tomo, a Tomo, Adamo, Attaboy, Attagirl, Atomo is a, um, it's my solo music project. It's the moniker that I use to make music under. Why did you decide on that one? Um, it was kind of a loose decision. Um, it wasn't too designed, but have you seen Iron Giant? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, Hogarth Hughes, the kid in the Iron Giant, who gets visited by this big, well, he's an Iron Giant, go figure, um, from outer space. Um, they're playing in a junkyard at one point because they become friends, but the movie's him hiding this, this alien that's like a hundred feet tall from the government. And it takes place during like McCarthy area, not in the United States. Um, but he comes becomes friends with it. It's kind of like an ET thing that I'm thinking about it. But um, they're playing in a junkyard at one point, and it's he's replicating this battle between Superman and this villain named Atamo. And 
at the time I just thought it was a cool name, but <clears throat> since then it's kind of taken on more meaning. Mm. So yeah, at the time it wasn't anything like brainy. Yeah. Yeah. That mm -hmm. maybe directed your. Yeah, it was just something that I could latch on to <clears throat> and something that I liked and yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. So when did you start making music under that name or like putting music out in a solid way and thinking uh, about that practice as something, you know? Oh, is that your dad? Sorry. Yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> that's a really cool picture of your dad. <laughs> I wish my dad took a picture like that. He's yeah, not photogenic. It's pretty uh, hip. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a word. Um, he start, I started making music in, I guess, 2003. 13 it was um second or third year of college yeah i just i had been in and around music for a while but i never really thought that i could make music and um like have that as a specific creative endeavor so i started just like i like pirated a copy of ableton which i may or may not still be using and i had just been start like i just started recording little loops and ideas and then before i knew it i was like making these songs and I was like this is awesome mm -hmm. I don't want to stop mm -hmm. so I feel like um it's important or from my understanding of of your music it's important to like understand the context in which you or the a few different contexts in which you perform mm -hmm. like I know sometimes you do fully just like a solo show right yeah. and then you you DJ uh, so those are both kind of like solo endeavors in a yeah. way but then you also you play with um a tomo with Future Killer and with Red Ted. Yes. So yeah. um, that's kind of like more, like a lot more people going on. So can you yeah. kind of explain those sort of different, or maybe I'm missing a mode in what you perform too. No. I haven't seen those. These those are just are the only totally ways that the, I've seen you. Those are totally the modes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's sort of important to understand the like Future Killer, Red Ted, mm -hmm. Atomo. Versus solo. Atomo, versus solo yeah. versus DJing to kind of get like the full picture of, of what you're doing yeah like as in what why i do which one or which one i prefer or like what exactly um like what you're doing in each scenario in each so scenario. like when you're performing with all three of those uh -huh. bands like what does that look like and who's oh involved? i see okay yeah so yeah well it's it's almost i guess it might be helpful to talk about this chronologically because that's that's like the organic way it developed mm -hmm. atomo it started with making stuff at home and then, you know, putting it out. And then this local label, Arogami Sounds, who's gracious enough to be like, hey, we're going to put this out. Um, They're like, but when you release it, you know, we have to have a release show. I'm like, cool, I can orchestrate that. You know, like silently, like sweating profusely behind an email. Just like, I don't know what the <laughs> hell that means. And so, because it was all electronic music and it was pretty dancey. So I'm just like, so I don't know exactly. The original concept for Atomo was... Um, I just made this music, I thought it was really cool, and I had this silly idea to dress up in a completely absurd costume um, and to buy a bunch of toy keyboards and surround myself with like a ridiculous amount of them, maybe like 10, and then just play my songs like off an MP3 and pretend to play the keyboards. <laughs> it was a more of a performance art thing. But the person I was dating at the time was like, you probably shouldn't do that, you should probably learn how to actually play your songs. I was like, okay. And so <laughs> I did. <laughs> maybe they were right. <clears throat> Maybe. Maybe. I, would <laughs> I like still to wonder. See, I, would, I think you should. I think I would love to see the other performance. I know. I, and that can happen. Mm -hmm. um, but so it, it became, it was a solo project out of necessity because there was a lot of moving parts because I was recording like a billion tracks. And the only way I felt like I could do it was to 
fire off those things live and then play the keyboard parts and then kind of dance around. Um, but then a few years later, after I've, I'm playing in the band Future Killer, which is a Louisville band, and I kind of just threw the idea at them one day. I was like, hey, we're playing this local festival. I don't know if I want to do the same get up. Um, maybe we can do this as a band. And they were super enthusiastic about it. And so now it became, that's kind of been the present form. Um, and I'm still working through that just because that's a new dynamic for me. And um, yeah, and then I guess I could talk about DJing too. Mm -hmm. That's that's something almost completely unrelated. I wouldn't even call it DJing. I would call it like selecting or something because mm -hmm. I have this iPad app that beat matches and everything for me, which is what I consider a DJ's job partially. Right. Um, that's more of just having a, a dance party in public instead of a private dance party, which I'm prone to do. Like basically I'm playing music for other people to enjoy with me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the same spirit. Um, yeah. I think it's it's just, it's not the music I wrote. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it does, a, yeah, a similar thing though to to a show of your music which is also pretty danceable yeah i try to be and yeah. people mm -hmm. yeah are For moving sure. and yeah mm -hmm. um so okay so you said you prefer private dance parties what's your differentiation between is well, that just like you alone at your house i don't know if i prefer them but yeah i i see whether it's playing my music live or just selecting or djing at a party it's just an extension of this energy that I, that kind of comes from this common source. And that is before I started making music, I kind of started having these private dance parties because there was like a me before this project, this making music. And that's the me that didn't understand most electronic or dance music period. And it was like a very much of a critical, like this is good music, bad music um, d dichotomy. And then one day I heard, this song Inspector Norse by this guy Todd Terry um and it kind of just blew my head off it mm -hmm. was really like I never I don't it made me realize that I had never listened to a song and just liked it and couldn't come up with the reasons why I liked it I just mm -hmm. enjoyed it and um I think the last time that had happened was when I was like I don't know eight or nine and I just found the first music ever that I listened to like that was of course strictly emotional too I wasn't like thinking this is good or bad so when I had that moment and I realized that I like this bigger genre of music I started just having these little dance parties at home like and with or without my friends like if they weren't around I would still play really loud music and dance until I like sweat profusely and I was just like enjoying and like living what I think living the music um, and so like when that happens now at a, at a show or at a party or something like that because I had the private stuff first I just see that as kind of this extension of of that, those moments that I've had myself. Whereas I feel like, you know, most people will go to a rave or go to a dance or something. And then that's kind of like the frame. But for me, like that emotional connection to that kind of music happened with me, myself and I first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Between you and, and the, and the song, mm -hmm. um, which I think it's interesting cause there, I know you, we had like a list going of like sort of topics to potentially oh, yeah. talk about here and whateverest was on that list, yeah. which is like a video that like a little documentary video that sort of accompanies that the Inspector Norris song, yeah. right? In which the the man Inspector Norris, yeah, Inspector Norris, like 
loves to just like throw a rave at his house but only with himself yeah Mm -hmm. or like go to the beach with headphones in yeah yeah no that that character i think aided in the in the development of i guess that guy within myself so yeah whatever is he is this film what is he he's a norwegian film director or a danish i forget exactly um i know it's songs inspector norris but the director itself i think might be different Mm. but anyway yeah it's like this 15 minute short film that portrays this dude who goes by inspector norris online who makes this mysterious drug called the inspector norris special (laughs) using household chemicals from like a local department store yeah (laughs) but he basically just he's a depressed dude who takes care of his dad and had dreams of being a famous musician or dj or something and when his dad got sick he kind of moved back in with him and kind of gave up on those things and so the title of the film whatever is is kind of this dude's like um his name for the mountain of failures that his life never amounted actually did amount to or the successes that his life never amounted to so it's this kind of absurdist not completely sad and depressing narrative about this made-up guy but Todd Cherry did all the music for this film and so I discovered that song and had like this really instant connection with it but then I saw the music video which is an excerpt of this film and then I kind of like latched onto it and it kind of served as this like I don't know this little like helping hand or this push off the deep end and with at that moment in my life that's Mm -hmm. not that crazy of a thing looking back on it but it's like Mm -hmm. like that that character who's just like got headphones and he's on the beach just acting like a complete fool or dancing like running through the streets at night because he took basically the household equivalent of molly or whatever and listening to music that he made right. like that was just like such a silly idea but it's like yeah. it was it was just so real to me yes mm-hmm. yeah in that conversion experience right it was it made me think of i actually pulled up the quote because um, i was thinking about your your music and dancing and um like the implications of dancing mm-hmm. and there's this quote from the the book last night a dj saved my life um that's <clears throat> Dancing is political, stupid. You think you're just having fun, but when you're on the dance floor, you're enjoying a temporary rebellion, rejecting the roles and responsibilities of your daytime life, questioning the values that make you wait for the bus, smile at the boss every morning. A good DJ can use the power of music to suspend reality, making you forget your career struggles and unpaid bills in favor of a few more basic human, even animal priorities. Which made me like think a lot about <laughs> the political implications of of music like that that has no words uh-huh. or even like um like disco music or or something that you you maybe even would play at one of like these house parties yeah at um alex's house yeah uh-huh. that like don't have overtly political words by any means yeah just about like love or you yeah know, but you you feel like there's it feels like a rebellion yeah no, that's fucking beautiful. I really love that. And I've, I've come across similar, I don't want to say literature, but I've come across similar words describing that political implication of the dance floor. Um, but I haven't heard this. This is really awesome. I know. This this kind of blew my mind. In, yeah. in class the other day, Luke Buckman at UofL Did showed, he, showed he us drop this. this? And it, it, I was like, oh shit, that, that says it. That's what I've been trying to explain yeah. to myself. Like That's a... And, uh, like I said, like I've seen that emotion before, but yeah. it hasn't been as concise as that. Like that paragraph is uh-huh. fucking awesome, and um, I remember kind of op- that that um, 
that dimension of dance music opened itself up to me when this one DJ came into town who's originally from either, I think he's from Detroit. His name's Peter Crochet. And he, he's active now, and he's kind of just from Detroit and Chicago. He's been back and forth, which are the two pillars of American dance music. Right. And which his, its history I'm still actually not even you know near halfway privy to. It's just something that's kind of been feeding itself to me slowly over the years. Right. But yeah. um, he talked about, because he grew up Christian, and he may or may not be now, and I don't really even know if that's part of the, the conversation anyway, but he... He remember he I think he was into like sports and he's into skateboarding and then he like broke his leg and he was like down like kind of like Bruce Lee for six months or something so he started just listening to records and started to realize like the power of like dance music and he I think grew up um, when rave music was becoming like a really like had, had a solid hold on people his age and um, so basically when he came down to Louisville and did this short um, little visiting set um, with a couple local DJs here um, he there was an interview done with him from a blog that was done here. And he talked a lot about that specifically that um, there really are like people think it is abstract and it's um, there's nothing serious about it and it's silly. And um, it's just uh, what's the word for it? It's just not, um, I don't know. There's nothing that's significant going on. It's silly, which there definitely are versions of it that can show that, you know, yeah. you can definitely go to a dance party or go to a bar and be like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah and it's right. like too much. But his take on it was, I feel like what that paragraph is, which is like, it is this core rebellion. It's like, mm -hmm. at, like in a world where like you have all of these things, all these expectations that are, you know, created by the economic superstructure and, you know, past generations and things saying that this is what it takes to be a good person. You have this space where, you can kind of say fuck it to all of that. Mm -hmm. But like the coolest part for me has been, I have this shirt that I made um, last year that I just like screen printed. It was just like dancing with strangers is a privilege. And it was kind of like that. Yeah. It was like a real, like not only are you saying fuck it yeah. in the motion of dancing like that, but you're doing it with these people that like, I would never hang out with a frat bro in any yeah. of my normal like day-to-day -day life. But like there's an instance where, a song could come on that's really awesome and then we're both saying fuck it and i'm doing it with this person that i never would hang out with and probably never will again but it just like it, it just destroys all these barriers between such different walks of life and for a moment everyone can just have a serious dopamine rush and sweat and just have like pure yeah. fun yeah and i think it's interesting too to think about that like the dopamine rush and just like the letting go and dissociating from um from like the political structures and economic structures and like identity structures about like the difference between you and a frat bro mm -hmm. or whatever to just dance like i think it's interesting to think then about like where the roots of, of dance music are which mm -hmm. is in like creating uh like queer spaces for people yeah. of color That's, or creating yeah. spaces of um of comfort in detroit and chicago mm -hmm. after like um, industry starts to leave and there's yep. an economic depression. So like thinking about that, the times when dance music sort of, um, explodes have historically been times when there's like a lot of economic or social pressure Yeah. because it's, it creates that one space where you can't escape. Exactly. You don't really need it if, if you're comfortable all the time. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I used to be really self-conscious about that and just art in general as a pursuit because it does engender this kind of, um, 
you know, escapism. Like, you know, people that don't do art can criticize, especially, yeah, can criticize people that do art and be like, well, what, what really are you doing for the world? You know, like whether you're a do-gooder or not, that's like a criticism you can always hang over an artist's head. Mm -hmm. And this is something I'm honestly still chewing through, but, um, I'm, I think I had a revelation recently where I used to be self-conscious about the escapist nature of making art and specifically, you know, the, the, like the idea of going dancing or making dance music or just doing something that's really carnal isn't that intellectual but it provides this like mm -hmm. release for people and for all these boundaries to blend but at its core I would still self-conscious because it's still escapist you know we're still it seems to me that we're running away from the real issues and that what we need to be doing is getting back to work trying to solve the issues that make us want to escape in the first place right. but then I was visiting my partner up in New York and she has a friend there who he's part of this like electronic arts program and he grew up in Detroit in the rave scene like he was he he came up during the heat of that time and I asked him I was like Leslie what do you what do you do you ever get self-conscious about you know specifically dance music when you were growing up and now you're pursuing art and you're 55 or whatever and do you ever feel like the escapism of it is um like brings you down or feels like you're like maybe you're doing something wrong or just only because I have the same problem and he's like no because I'm operating on the assumption that the world is burning mm -hmm. and I'm just like that really floored me for a second I'm just like shit I'm like <laughs> I guess it is same. like it, it really is like yeah. even though we're living in the best time historically if you on, on some basic functional measures like there's still like emotionally like the world is burning like there are a lot of things that are just fucked mm -hmm. and like if not if it wasn't for the uh, like the, the um the original sense of wanting to escape we wouldn't be envisioning any reality for which to forge a future mm -hmm. like if there wasn't an escapist feeling like if there wasn't this need to be like i just want to go dance or i just want to do this thing how can we ever create or even move forward or closer to a utopia if we don't try to like ephemerally, ephemerally create that in the present moment, even mm -hmm. though it even though it dissipates, you know? And I'm no, just like, oh I my think God. that wow, that's yeah, I think that's really profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think any anyone making art ever, but like right now specifically, because I feel like we're kind of on the cusp of some uh, climate change shit that is pushing forward oh, of like a know. collective anxiety mm -hmm. like I, I think that's a big question that comes up like should i just drop this and go be spending all of this energy that i'm doing like spending on this like on social justice organizations yeah. in money yeah mm -hmm. and but then i think yeah it's really profound to say if you don't if you can't imagine the utopia right now right then it's just not gonna happen exactly and, and i'm starting to realize too that like the the value and the function of art and artists for me is not even necessarily about the actual output. I mean, as much as the music and the songs have changed my life, but it's more about how people are living lives differently. Like, and again, this was a conversation I was having with my partner when I went to visit her and she was talking about like the importance of teaching art. And I was asking her the same question. I was like, well, do you think other things are better worth teaching? Or are there other things that mm -hmm. are like higher priority? And he, she's like, yes and no but i think the most important thing about it is that you're teaching someone how to 
learn things themselves and to really take things and think independently, which is what creative thinking and art makes you do. You have to think for yourself. You have to fend for yourself in that way. You can't just swallow a book and and then you can't just make great art by like copying great art. You know, you have to actually figure your own way out through it. And the function of teaching art is really just teaching people how to know themselves, to read themselves and to express themselves boldly and to see realities which other people won't don't have but you actually do and how to unlock that and to profess that to other mm -hmm. people so you're really teaching confidence if, if that's a word for it in a way and you're teaching people how to say fuck it like i'm gonna do things my way this is the way i see them how to be a visionary essentially because mm -hmm. like you know if you're painting or you're making music or something you're you're being a visionary on a very small level you're making this song or you're making this painting but you have to at some point decide that that's those are the decisions are yours and that's what's going to make up your piece you know mm -hmm. but if you extrapolate that to bigger things like socio-political issues you can be a visionary in such a huge way like <clears throat> this is an unpopular opinion but <laughs> martin luther king and adolf hitler in a weird way they both can be considered artists because they both had visions for reality mm -hmm. it's just that one of them really was fucked up yeah, I mean, you, know? you can make <clears throat> you can make shitty art that hurts people. Exactly, but they both... But like, it can be visionary. They both... And this isn't even an original idea. Like, Erica Baidu said something similar in an interview, mm -hmm. and you probably might have read it. But, like, <clears throat> they, they both basically decided that there was a reality beyond... Excuse me. <clears throat> a reality beyond the one that currently exists, and they took steps to make that happen and to convince other people that that was the right thing or the those were the steps that needed to be taken but those were both artistic pursuits in my eyes which no, i can see that that, that's, uh, that definition of art like is growing bigger and bigger as time goes on as i start to realize that more people are artists that people don't typically think are mm -hmm. um yeah so then where's the line oh god well, <laughs> that's can, the hard part we can start by not killing people oh yeah that would be <laughs> if cool. we're making that distinction between the two of them that would what's be the cool. line between art and and not, not being art, an art and not art. I'm starting to think everything is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes me think about um, your anthrophony song. Oh, okay. Yeah. The natural surround sound. That's what that is, right? Mm -hmm. The anthrophony is. Anthrophony. Well, no, I mean, yeah. that's just my city slicker way of saying it. <laughs> it's, um, I think it's the sound. You know, if cacophony is a sound that's like noise or just like, you know, barraging yeah. noise coming in from all angles that's like overwhelming. Anthrophony is the sound of the natural human environment. I and mean, there's also a word for just the natural environment. Yeah. Which I might be confusing. Without, without humans. Mm -hmm. Well, it would make sense because anthro, anthro right, right, right. is human-centric. Yeah. So yeah, anthrophony is the sound of like the human, I don't know, biome or like just the yeah. human create like the human organism at large whoa mm -hmm. so like yeah. but i think it's funny because like after the industrial revolution does anthropony now include the sound of cars well that's what i was gonna ask like yes because I, I think that it does you're like the airplanes that go over here mm -hmm. or i listened to that song walking around with headphones and then i took my headphones oh, yeah? out and i was like checking it out like but you know like i'm hearing like i'm walking past the church and you can hear like the preacher like screaming from inside mm -hmm. and then also like a like a homeless person screaming outside right. and then, like so many cars and i'm like okay so to, like this seems to me 
Like the definition of what. Yeah, that is yeah. anthropophony. You yeah. Know? Never mind the song. <laughs> like yeah, never actually... mind the song. <laughs> <laughs> My homage to But the song was great too because you get a similar effect of like these sort of. I mean, there are no lyrics in that song, right? No. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember. No, Because um, those on the album. Um, so it, it felt like a similar effect of like having things panned in mm-hmm. these different years and it's kind of, you know, like a lot of different textures going on and yeah no um, that song's uh, it's just on the stressful end that song actually is probably the closest thing i've ever written to like what rizza did for like the kill bill stuff like that song sounds like a fight happening in a very like kung fu way but um and it actually that song was originally inspired if we want to even get to that level was do you ever listen to or watch samurai jack no i haven't okay that was a show that was on cartoon network that i grew up watching and that was me trying to like capture some of the energy of like just a part of that samurai jack but it like ended up morphing into this thing where it's like Mm -hmm. actually no this just sounds more like stressful more like humans like doing stuff in close quarters and that's what made me think of anthropony and so yeah like the the feeling of stress is something that i'm trying to get across but actually now that i'm thinking about it i was at alex's house last night and we were listening to Eno's music for airports and he was just like oh i I love this it's like yeah this is great you know yeah and um, we sat there and listened to, I guess, the first one or two songs. It was like a 15-minute chunk of just like Ambient music. <laughs> yeah, just sitting like with our heads back oh. on the couch, just like soaking it in. And then we started talking about like, well, it's music for airports. Like this would be awesome in an airport if you wanted to get like just on a really f- basic level with it. But it's like, is he leaving room for... You know, there's a Delta flight 4097, your flight is boarding, exactly. blah, blah, blah. Like, is, is there... In the actual plane. Yeah, or people walking or, like, the escalators going. Rolling. Yeah, exactly. Like, is is he leaving room for this stuff? It's like, is that actually part of the composition? Is the final form of this mm-hmm. actually it being played in an airport? It has and no you, audience. Exactly. And then you having the surrounding anthropony fused with mm-hmm. the textural stuff that he's got. And then that's actually what music for airports yeah. is, you know, is... I don't know, but Maybe. that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I feel like that's in the same way that, like, if you're making dance music, mm-hmm. the dancers are part of the composition. Yes. And the reaction to it, whether mm-hmm. it be, like, me, like, dancing down the sidewalk alone, mm-hmm. or, like, an entire room full of people. Right you know and not like a highly decorated space it's mm-hmm. like super curated for that is that like that could be another but then does it become like a different piece of music each time yeah it's, or if you want to get tri- trippy with it too was it the original piece of music before the audience like yeah like when is it a different piece of music or when does it even become a final piece of music exactly you know? and like that's the thing i've been thinking a lot about too like just in the past couple of years and dance music was kind of the beginning of it the point of departure but it's like is is any work of art just itself you know like what there's like this interim there's this space where we're viewing the art in the context in which we're viewing it you know like seeing this awesome sculpture in a gallery versus like falling out of a trash can on the side of a street if it were to come to that like you're gonna have vastly different experiences with those and like so i think any any composition in whatever art form needs to allow space or if it's not going to allow space for that, it needs to at least plan for that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, there's definitely, like, the perceiver adds to the piece and is co-authoring the piece to a certain degree that, and then on top of the actual author of the piece. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, 
I guess I w- want to talk about your new album, Limelight, mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. as well. And I felt like it was interesting. So, like, reading... I've listened to it a bunch. Like, it's kind of embarrassing, too, because you sent me, like, this private version of it because it's not actually out yet, so uh-huh. you can't actually see how many times I've listened to everything. Oh, no, there's, there's okay, been some hoping, other people I'm like, to. I was like, I really hope someone else is listening to this, too, because no way. <laughs> there are other <laughs> I've people I've listened to that 37 to. times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no shame. <laughs> if I, if we, I did listen to it a lot. Though. I mean, Grace, I mean, good. that might be kind of weird, but I've listened to this song 150 times. Yeah, I'm so sure. That's pretty fucking I'm weird. sure, yeah, yeah. That's creepy, actually. It's yeah. borderline, yeah. Yeah. Who listens to their own music? I mean, come on. Come Come on. No. You oughta. No, I've sent it to a couple other. Yes. I was assuming, I was like, no way, like, Alex Rickle doesn't have a copy of this and Aaron doesn't have a copy of this. Or like... Actually, neither of them do. Really? <laughs> well, um, somebody else does. If that. either of you two are listening to this, you will get it soon. Um, I have my reasons. Maybe it's even out by now. Anyways. Uh. <laughs> I was thinking about, I mean, this album makes me think about so many different things. First of all, it's called Limelight. Yeah. Um, so, are you wearing, oh yeah, Shit and Die in the Limelight. It's a monkey on a phone sitting on a toilet. Uh, and yeah. that is what Tyler is wearing right now. I'm wearing the shirt. Did you design that? Yeah, I drew this. I um, love it. I don't really draw. I actually hate drawing. That's great drawing, it's a very though. Very stressful activity, but when the when the occasion calls for it, I think sometimes I rise. Yeah. To... So, okay, based on that image that uh-huh. I just described and the name Limelight, and song names like um, uh, "Constant Occasional Success Syndrome," sure, or uh, "This Room Is Packed But I'm Feeling a Little Empty," or "Cash." Or shit and die in the limelight. <laughs> All very serious things. Yes, you can tell that like this is a, like a to me a highly political piece of art. Uh, political is a word. I don't know if it's political, but it's definitely um, I maybe more sociological would be a, yes. a more accurate word. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, and of course, any talk about sociological implies political things, yes. of course. But um, yeah, it's definitely like putting this together conceptually it wasn't written conceptually but it was assembled conceptually and tweaked to be to kind of fit that image it's definitely um it's definitely sociological and it's mostly just like me trying to make sense of the anxieties that come from what i'm you know like you're an old soul grace right <laughs> i, I you guess think you could say so i think you sure, are i sure. think you are because there are just like certain you're not completely um, like bounded by like fads and it being 2015 or 2019 or 2020. Like mm-hmm. you see the long view of things. Right. Um, so that's that's just all I mean by that. Yeah. And um, I I I grew up with computers and I grew up um, using the internet and with the, f- the fucking AOL sound. Like waking up my parents at eight in the morning mm-hmm. on Saturday because they wanted to play flash games. I like I grew up with a computer, so I'm like very like technologically inclined i guess but i've been finding in like recent years even i'm like not being able to keep up with it and it's kind of freaking me out so the limelight again is this that the image is this monkey i'm sure grace will post it it's mm-hmm. a monkey sitting and shitting on a toilet um holding a phone and it's like in this big white circle which is supposed to resemble like a like a moon or a spotlight um yeah hence limelight the limelight 
and it was just like, I mean, I don't know. The the Moon concept or is spotlight. I like that. It is what it is. It's like how many? First of all, how many people haven't done this? I remember I was selling this shirt once at a flea off, and this guy came up to me. He's like, "Oh man, my daughter needs that shirt." I was like, <laughs> "I bet you do too." I'm like, who who isn't who hasn't done this? Who doesn't yeah. sit on the toilet and like scroll through Instagram or like do this thing or that yeah. or whatever you're doing, checking your email? But like, limelight's just the idea of like, I'm starting to feel that people have are inclined to become more narcissistic with certain social media and certain technologies and stuff. So like, everybody can be in the limelight or wants to be in the limelight and they can be on the limelight even when they're taking a shit in private mm -hmm. because of that device that he's mm -hmm. holding you know and it but it's like the the focus and the conversation and has has been a lot about like humans in general communicating with each other but on a very personal level it's, i think things have gotten a lot very selfish and whether people are trying to help it or not narcissistic because everything seems tailored to the person to the profile to the individual to what you want to what you like and things like that we're paying less attention to like how those things are interacting with other people and so this album is like very much in so many ways um just sub anxieties of this world in which things are very atomized mm -hmm. and things are very private in this really weird absurd way yeah, everything is public and everything is also private. Yeah, like in a yeah. weird, it's like a weird divide. Mm -hmm. It's well, it's it's. I think things are becoming more public, and the way they're expressed in private mm -hmm. is what's changing. Like you know, you don't do things face to face. You do you can you do things face to face, but now there's like you have the ability to not do things face to face, especially mm -hmm. if you want to express something that's a little dicey or maybe misinterpreted or something like that, and. There's just, I don't know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of spin-off, like, hurricane energy that's coming from, like, this, this way in which we communicate with each other now. And so, like, these, the names of these songs, if for the most part, are kind of, like, referencing this general anxiety of living in a world in which we're connected like this. Yeah. Do you think, well, I mean, that, you talking about it being, like, a product of your anxiety and a way of you working through your anxiety makes me wonder, like, do you think, well, in a world where you have constant access to an audience if you want one mm -hmm. through your phone, do you think that, like, if you, like, obviously this album is a product of that audience. The fact that it's there is mm -hmm. an anxiety about that. But also, do you think that you would make... Th art like this that works through your anxiety if it if there were no audience like do you think you would do it just for yourself to work through like would it be worthwhile oh. if it if it weren't f like for anyone um that's a tough one actually because i think i make a conscious effort when making something to make it for other people mm -hmm. um i've done things for myself but it, I don't know if there's just something wrong with me or maybe this is something I need to work through or something that'll come later in life. But if it's something that's just for me, I typically don't indulge in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely indulge in things that are for me, like AKA private dance parties. Like they, I do things that are fun. I'm not saying I do things, I'm completely utilitarian. Yeah. But like when it comes to making art that is to be released to the public, like I, it's less about me working through my own personal things and being personal in general yeah. and more about like how can 
these ideas I have, how can I reach someone who might have a similar idea? Right. Yeah. Or yeah, make them feel validated or like give them. Yeah, exactly. Because that's some... that's what's given me and hope and like mm-hmm. it's given it made me. Um, it just makes me happy. Like when I, you know, I you come across a song or work of art and someone's expressing an emotion that you're like, oh my god, I've thought about this before. That's almost in itself all you need, whether they're saying the right thing about it or not. Just the fact that someone's thinking about the same thing as you. Um, there's someone I forget who said this quote, but someone said a quote that like all the greatest authors of the world. Um, didn't have many or they had close friends it's like something like um if they if they had everyone they needed to talk to they wouldn't have written the book exactly yeah but they felt like they needed to you know tr- make friends with people across the ocean mm-hmm. or you know, in the country over or whatever even it be if it be like posthumously right yeah it's just like you're kind of like reaching into the the void and just like can anybody hear me is there anybody out yeah. there kind of thing um so yeah i definitely if i did not have an audience if i was locked in a vacuum somewhere mm-hmm. i would at least do things with the interest of it being found by someone after my death okay or whatever like that yeah. But yeah i definitely don't do things in a like for me and like it's not it's not um what do you call it um when uh, cathartic cathartic yeah, yeah okay. it's not exactly a cathartic practice for me if anything it's like work yeah yeah no i think that's that makes sense to me that's i that's sort of my relationship is it as well to yeah really? so i that that definitely resonates like to with comp- me. to composing stuff like to actually to write original stuff, stuff. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean i'll write down some random just whatever mm-hmm. for, but if yeah yeah I, I wanted to do something yeah right <laughs> um i was thinking about so, I mean, I feel like there's a trajectory to this album as well as to, like, how, like, I think it starts off a little lighter. Mm-hmm. And I think within the first, like, three songs, you could just kind of be having, like, fun mm-hmm. before you kind of start to, like, realize what's happening in it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like for me, it's in the second song, song when I first sort of feel, like, invoked as a listener to sort of question myself or like introspect when there's the Brian Eno quote that begins it. We tend to dignify the control side of the spectrum, the repertoire of our behavior, more than the surrender phase. We we tend to dignify people who are good at control as well. We, we think uh, those are the masters of the universe. And we don't particularly pay attention to people who are good at surrender. Right. Talking about um, the way that um, surrender is not really valued by most yeah. of us. That control is sort mm-hmm. of what we most value in people is like mm-hmm. the characteristic that we look for over surrender. Right. And then mm-hmm. it's called a window down, and mm-hmm. you're like, the lyrics are, are is it, it's you singing, right? Yeah. And like this kind of like down, heavily yeah. pitched down, yeah. like uh, most of the the singing on the whole album sounds like a fucking robot. Yeah. Which also like brings this whole aesthetic to it of like, oh, I'm listening to a cyborg speak to me right now. Right. And saying these things, so like you you start in on the the valuing the control side of the spectrum and then it's the the speaker and robot voice asking to be like taken for a ride Yeah. That's surrender. Exactly. And yeah. then you have at the end a recording of 
uh, a little kid that you're talking to and you're like talking about mortality. You're trying to tell this kid that you're immortal. Yeah. And the kid like loses all because she doesn't have control over the situation or what you're saying and can't figure like loses complete control and just starts screaming mm. like because it's all your, your fault. fault. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't die. You know that? You always die? Mm-hmm. No, some people die. I don't. I'm, I'm immortal. You might one day live forever. You might. Stop it! I'm saying you might. What you got? What is that? Nothing. Nothing? So I think that that's like, when that happens, I'm like, oh, this is going to be something. I'm not just like dancing by myself in my room to mm-hmm. this anymore. Like I have to, to think about it a, a bit more. Sure. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's just more of a personal choice because like I, I find it hard to just make dumb dance music. Dumb is a really bad word. Yeah. I don't mean that it's dumb at all. I yeah. mean, just something without some kind of the word intellectual too mm-hmm. my life sucks <laughs> <laughs> any more words grace i'm so word poor no just um, some some kind of like higher plane just like at least yeah. woven into at a very low level because like i am always trying to like make a comment or say something about something and i guess that's just like the artistic drive in me and people in general and i, yeah. I think most people have it you don't have to be an artist to have that but just to like the ability to question or call things into question or have a conversation about something I the the way that song is mixed, it definitely is the instrumental production of it is what's big and it makes you it's groovy. It's oh, like yeah. really like the four on the floor is definitely pronounced. But it's like, hard not to dance to it. Exactly, and but you have these elements in there that if you were to make it listening music, if you were to sit, it would. There are like you could sit and actually have a conversation and be like, whoa, like what 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 is being said here? Mm-hmm. And I think that's just that's nothing new, of course. But like I I just can't help myself to yeah. do that with a lot of the things I do. Oh, and I think it's interesting too because, so it's like thinking about dancing as political, which mm-hmm. we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you think of dancing as political and you think of the roots of like dance movements that most of the songs you're listening to is like, there aren't lyrics or, oh, it's, I have a message. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, the limelight, it's calling. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but, it's time for you so, to step in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but if you think about like most of that stuff, which is like not super intellectual, the music that's happening, if you want to use that word, mm. it's just the rhythm that makes you dance, yeah. or like lyrics about like love and like mm-hmm. sex or whatever. Just right. it feels fun. Exactly. If you think about dancing to that and feeling like you know a slave to the rhythm, in mm-hmm. the words of Grace Jones, <laughs> yeah, then that's one thing, mm-hmm. and that's political for the reasons that. I, that quotation sure. earlier says so then like what are the implications of if you're listening to music that's talking about like monkeys wiping other monkeys off the map oh yeah or like war like war crimes uh-huh. and shit and that's what's being said to you mm-hmm. but it's also music that ma- forces you to dance which is just like or like kind of to laugh mm-hmm. like that's something that makes you kind of want to laugh it is, you're yeah. like shit what am I laughing at yeah like it kind of reminds me of um 
Donald Glover, This Is America. Oh, yeah. Which I feel like it's talking about the darkest shit that ha- has oh, happened totally. in our society. Mm-hmm. But it's in this... The way that the whole like music video happens oh my God, and the way the so song happens, absurd. it makes you just want to laugh. And then like halfway through the laugh, you have to like pull it back inside of yourself because you're like, holy shit, what am I laughing at? Yeah. It, like dares you to dance to mm-hmm. it a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if that's anything that you intended to do on this, It's yeah. but it does feel, it feels that way to me. Yeah. It's enough. It's never something I put into words, but it's definitely like you telling me this and just like I'm having a realization and like oh that's actually my MO yeah like it's it is it is something I've always because I don't have chops singing and I'm not I don't have chops writing lyrics although I'm I'm actually a little bit proud of some of the things I wrote on this album because I think especially that shit in the die in the limelight with yeah, the, the little great lyrics. I wrote a rap I'm just like yeah. what, the, what the fuck is that I've never written a rap before yes but a rap um about monkeys. I'm like really I'm like kind of proud of that and it's it's like in that particular song, humor and humor in general has always been a fantastic vehicle for like deep truths, aka mm-hmm. or like, i.e., this is the like this is America, the childish Gambino thing, which is fucked up because for me, one of the funniest parts of that music video is where he walks into that room and he just spins around and just shoots the entire choir. Exactly. I'm just there's yes. like such comedic timing with that, but it's like but the most also, fucked up scene. Yes, in the whole video. you're also like, yeah, I'm just like oh my god. But mm-hmm. what see, it's almost just like. I don't know. You're at the doctor and he wants to give you a vaccine or she wants to give you a vaccine. Is it going to be in the arm or is it going to be in the butt? Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on the vaccine. Like this, <laughs> that, that using humor in that way was just, that was that particular design of that, that message that he just wanted to shove in your throat. Whereas mm-hmm. I tend to work because I can't sing very well and because I'm always used to playing things and composing things, I work in a more subliminal way in the way that like you would you know put messages in commercials or something like that window down song is an example of that because you have these like three points Mm -hmm. where you have things being said about more than just you know there's like there's like kind of higher things being said but it's like they're not there unless you choose to tune into it Mm -hmm. because otherwise you can just enjoy the song and i think just in general pop is like that too like really good pop songs they sound great um you can just roll with them but if at any point you want to tune into it and kind of like really practice deep listening mm-hmm. there's something there and you're just like oh shit and then there, there's just like the whole fortune cookie that to pop open yeah you know yeah and i think that brings an idea um that you mentioned like in your list of like the difference between lyrical versus musical value oh god yeah and, and the way that you can like put those in play together i yeah. don't know like what are your thoughts on those i don't know those two concepts differently because i know that you say that you don't really feel like a lyrics or words person mm-hmm. or at least you said that the other day i do no i still feel that way mm-hmm. <laughs> but but you're also still able to like bring messages that have like a, a verbal life mm-hmm. through these through these songs sure, partially yeah. because of the way that they they sound mm-hmm. i don't know yeah um yeah i've always felt like as someone who wasn't a singer and wasn't a songwriter that i I'm always not get the shaft because that implies like I'm a victim. That's not good at all. But like that, I just like I'm always gonna get. I don't know, like, like I'm kind of like second rate because for for me, even though I'm someone that like plays and writes dance music and I consume a lot of it, most of what I've listened to in the past two or three years has been stuff with lyrics and that it like it holds lyrical weight. And I can't I as someone that writes instrumental music. I still think that music with lyrics and songwriter songs are 
better, like objectively better. Really? Which is a silly, it's a silly notion because, uh, you know, what is objective anyway? Mm-hmm. But that's a personal thought that I have yeah. that like, like songs that you can sing along to and have that are really well written poetically are just, it, or they're always going to be better than what I can, what I can muster. And so I just have to do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, so I, the, the commerce or the, the dynamic between like a song's lyrical weight and a song's musical weight is always kind of at play for me. Um, because I don't, I, I don't know, like for me, the song, like the songs that have, like you can have a song that's very strong lyrically and musically, and then you can have a song that's strong lyrically and maybe not musically. You can have the opposite. You can have a strong that's you have a song that's strong musically but not lyrically. And if I'm being honest with myself at this point in my life, I think the song that's stronger lyrically and not musically is ultimately more important than the one that's strong musically. Interesting. And not lyrically. So what yeah. do you think about just like a straight up good poem, no music at all? Oh damn, that's really that's a really good next step like to if this you conversation. Lean all the way in, yeah. Um, I think that's tough. I'm probably not even the right person to ask. Um, I've definitely read poems that I can't think of at a second because my vocabulary with it is really bad. Where I've just been absolutely floored. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 idea that a song, that words don't need music to, to deliver that message is great. But at that point, you know, is it music? Yeah, I don't. I guess it can't be. Yeah, but also, could, could it be like poems are meant to be spoken out loud? Sure, and then you can have take on rhythmic qualities to it, yeah. and you can say have musical qualities too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So no, I I mean that can definitely have the same, if not more, impact. And then, what, what was the other part of that question you said? I don't know. It was. Um, <laughs> I lost track. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you were just mm-hmm. taking it to the next level of like, well, what if you just took the words, the lyrics basically without music? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Then, well, then that just becomes a conversation about like the phenomenology, phenomenology of music, and yeah. that might just be too right too I far don't out. Know enough. I don't yeah. Know enough. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I feel like lyrical weight is so so important but it's something that i think is just being worked through personally because obviously i owe my i owe what i do to dance music which you know a lot of dance tunes are pretty dumb song like or uh, lyrically but it's all in the groove but i guess for me too the thing with dance music is that it's it's a ritual and mm-hmm. i think that's something too like western society at some point just kind of lost touch with really when religion died not that i want religion to like come back in full force anytime soon but um it's it's uh we lost this ability to like get in touch with a higher power or just something that's beyond ourselves and to engage in an activity that isn't analytical it's just something that you do it's like you know yoga or something you just do to like put your mind in this space to to ruminate over simple truths Mm -hmm. and dance music to me is the contemporary industrial version of that you know you have these people who are dejected and who are completely cast aside by society who need a place where they can just feel loved and welcomed and so what comes out of it you have these music these these songs that like they're not necessarily saying anything super deep philosophically but like it's the function those songs serve in a greater like ritual of getting into this club and dancing and and just doing all of that that together is kind of like i think the final 
artistic mm-hmm. version. Like that's the actual final work of yeah. art. So now I'm starting to realize that musical weight actually, you know, if executed in the proper context, can be just as strong as a lyrical song. You know. No, that's. I feel that way too. Different dynamics. They're just for different things, maybe. D- and different, different conduits of of which the message is being sent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um. My brain. Here, I can I can chew the cinnamon roll a little closer to the yeah, microphone. Yeah, absolutely. Here. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about um. <laughs> you were talking about stuff you've listened to in the past years. We've talked about um, the natural surround sound a little bit, um, and I was I want to talk about like what you've been listening to lately and your listening practices. I know we've talked recently some about like right. trying to change listening practices, um, and I don't know. I just wonder what's going on there. I used to listen to music excessively. Um, just as any possible minute I can put music on, whether I'm driving or I'm doing stuff at home, whatever. If I can listen to music and it's not going to take away from what I'm doing, I'd be doing it. Because the way I saw it was that whether it lands consciously or subconsciously, it's better that I just consume as much as possible. Um, because I also feel like I'm always catching up. Like I didn't exactly grow up with the greatest. Like like you grew up with an amazing musical education, like informal, because your dad just had the awesome stuff you mm-hmm. played all the cool records and so there's rarely any time i talk about music and you don't know about it because um you have that and i i did not get that mm-hmm. like i i got a lot of butt rock growing up mm-hmm. which like which i did too yeah sure but d- just but mine other was like stuff strictly too. that like yeah. <laughs> yeah like like my dad never listened to stevie wonder at home which right. is like kind of yeah. crazy to me yeah i mean know? mine didn't either but yeah definitely did listen to a lot of cool stuff yeah for sure mm-hmm. but anyway it's like yeah. so i always felt like i'm trying to catch up so i'm just like listening right. to as much music as possible but in the past year I, it's kind of just like like that bubble kind of burst for me and i'm just like i don't know if anything's really happening i don't know if this is working yeah i can say listen to this but like people start talking about it in conversation and i'm just like i actually it's just gotten to the point where even if i've listened to an album two or three times if someone starts talking about the details of this particular song on that album and i have no idea what they're talking about i admit to them before i've told them that i've listened to it that I've never heard this record before, even if I've listened to it two or three times. Interesting. Because have I really heard it? I know I've played yeah. it, and I was in the room when I was listening to it, but if I can't talk about um, a somewhat surface-level detail of the fifth song on a 12-song album, and I've listened to it twice while I was cooking or something, yeah. I wasn't listening. Exactly. And I didn't listen to it. And so I don't count that as a true listen. And so I've been really trying to redefine what it means to listen to a record and how I listen to a record so that it can it can actually I can be able to say, you know, I listen to this. Yeah. So now I when I'm talking about the natural surround sound, I'm talking about just listening in general. Like if mm-hmm. um I spend now I spend most of my time at home in silence. I don't again, I used to play music all the time, but I I just don't do it. Sometimes I'll take a lot of car rides in silence, like I'm going to work or something. Um and there's just it's more for Learning to listen again, I think. Like, not feeling like that the absence of music is really an absence of music. Mm-hmm. Like, because there really is a music. And this exactly. ties back into the anthropony thing. Like, us, me driving or me walking and hearing cars pass by or a squirrel, like, run up a tree and drop nuts and stuff like that. Like, that is 
Yeah. That or is what everybody else is listening to in their cars. Exactly. Or that. Yeah. Like that. Like close your eyes whenever that's happening and imagine you're listening to an MP3 and, and you're just listening to something on your headphones. But really, it's just what's actually happening around <laughs> you. That it can be this weird ambient, like avant garde noise piece. But it, it really is just music. It's just not music in the terms that you're used to defining it. Mm. And it just made me realize that I'm not listening properly. And I'm, and I'm glazing over a lot of things because I have these projections and expectations for what um, what sound and music can carry, um, especially when it's not under my control. Mm-hmm. So now when I listen to a record... Um, I typically just try to sit down on my couch like you would watch a movie. Like, why don't we treat music the same way? Like, just because it's not a visually stimulating thing doesn't mean that we have to do something that's visually stimulating so we can, you know, it's like trying to iron clothes, like change the diaper and cook dinner at the same time. You're probably going to suck at all three of those things, but you'll get them all done. Yeah, which I think it's a relatively new problem to have yeah that you expect there to be visual stimulation during an album mm-hmm. like it, you know yeah it is it it, it is a new problem and it's also a new problem to have uh, to extend this out briefly to a greater thing is like being bored this is something i talk about a lot with people like being bored used to be <laughs> i now say to myself being bored is a privilege because yeah. it used to be like a disservice it used to be this dissatisfying thing where it's like oh my god i'm bored because it just used to be the natural way of things now you have to fight to be bored you have to like you have to almost pay money sometimes to be bored in a very real way like whether it's like you live in a private place or you have to go to a private place or something like that like you have to expend time and energy to be bored and like people pay to go to silent retreats oh jesus christ that's right that's (laughs) right oh my god i never realized that that's true yeah yeah and it's like Everyone was bestowed with that uh-huh. for the longest time, and now it's like something that you have to earn and fight for, and like, but but it, and because we're losing it, and because it's not seen as a good thing, people are like, oh, being bored—that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. We're losing all the amazing things that came with it, and like, I think just a deeper sensitivity to just stimuli in general, or just what people are saying and things and like the pacing of time i think we're losing sensitivity to that because we're we're just we've lost the art and lost the ability of being bored so i i, I know the answer to this but mm. just for audience purpose so do you have do you use streaming services and if so how like and d- how does that play into what you're saying here about like the way that you consume music and the way that you could potentially consume music um that's really interesting. Uh, the reason for using streaming services is... Because you do. I do. You have Spotify, I right? have Spotify. I pay yeah. $10 a month for Spotify. And that's... you can I can say that again. I pay $10 a month for Spotify. And a lot of people... And I have, do too. Yeah. I do yeah. too. And a lot of people have an issue with that. And <laughs> I think there's definitely an issue to be had with that. Um, I, I, maybe we'll just for the second keep the conversation aside from, you know, the douchiness of the people that work at spotify yeah we know they treat artists bad yeah that's a fucking given we can there's tons of awesome articles to read about that um but we'll just leave that to rest unless it comes up again but Mm -hmm. i think the other problem with with streaming services and spotify that you know maybe isn't really a problem is that you can over consume music too much it's like um you know all of a sudden after the 80s you have too much sugar in the grocery store Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a two way issue. It's um, 
it's a big issue because now you have the structure by which you consume music to allow you to consume things at this like really fast rate, which is great and it's very liberating for people who don't have that much money. Um, so you like someone that like can muster up ten dollars a month can now have access to fucking awesome music because you know Spotify, it being what it is, at least tries to be historically. Um, educative uh, educational about certain things and refers to you music um as far as like lineage goes like if you're listening to an isaac hayes album and you hit the end of the album it might start playing some donny hathaway next whereas five years ago right. it might start playing something that was completely unrelated but like right. people but like this like, you know let's go yeah but no it's like now it's like let's discover the let's historical lineage back in stacks, or yeah like, let's go yeah. exactly right. exactly so I, i'm i applaud it for that but like it's still personally it's it, it it has kind of conduced or it's been conducive to over consuming music and this other also something that the, my album tries to tackle like in this age of like the, the mobile phones and social media and stuff like this the burden of choice and the burden of freedom like mm-hmm. having choice all the time is really kind of it's it's kind of a chain in a way it kind of chains you down i just got a new car that has a cd player and immediately when i got it i was like I'm gonna can't wait to put a Bluetooth radio on this so I can play my Spotify every time I ride. But in the meantime, I'm gonna listen to the CDs. I you know I don't collect CDs, but I have some, and I'm just gonna throw them in there for the meantime. And what I realized happened was, I um, just started listening to the same album over and over. And that when I get in my car, I don't sit there for five minutes deciding what the best thing to listen to is. I just let it ride because I have the CD ready to go. And there's this certain compromise where it's like, well, I can't make my Radiohead CDs start playing Isaac Hayes. So it's just going to have to, <laughs> it's just going to have to do what it's going to do. Yeah. And it un, unintentionally kind of made me realize like, oh, it's just, just another chapter in me realizing that I'm not listening the right way. Mm-hmm. I'm being very um, uh, greedy about my listening habits and then I need to just let things repeat. And that's another beauty of music too. It like, it has repeat value, so much repeat value and all good art should. Yeah. So what have you been listening to? Radiohead? What have I been listening to? Well, I mean, that's just because I have the radio Because you have the, the CDs, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we need to have another <laughs> musician talking about Radiohead around. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, but that's the CD that you had, so you had in your car. Yeah, that's yeah. the CD I have. And so I have, you listened to it. In, yeah, I was in Rainbows and yeah, all the more recent stuff with King of Limbs. I guess I had Kid A2 in there. Um, I've been listening to this really corny album that you listened to the other day when you were riding in the car, the Billy Ocean, the Love oh, Zone. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. The going gets tough, the tough get I going. I can't really say I listened to it because we were talking over it. I Well, <laughs> f- fuck yeah, I can now say I have listened to this album because yeah. I've re-engineered my listening habits. I've listened to the album probably like six times, and that's nothing. There you go. I plan to listen to it six more times. Yeah. And I could say it's pretty bad. It's not <laughs> It's not very good. It's, uh, it's a good example of computer-controlled like late 80s R&B that actually did have the soul extracted from it. Yeah. Not that, that like it, it definitely has some, but it's just, it's kind of corny. His voice is like very peculiar, so I don't think he was doing it service. The songwriting's kind of lame. Like I know there's just all these things about it that it's just, okay, I got what I needed to hear. Like I should probably <laughs> move on at this point. Um, whereas another thing I've been listening to a ton lately and which has been like kind of this weird inspiration for throwing our own dance parties is the SOS band. I've just been listening to the best of compilation uh-huh. and they're in a similar situation. Yes. They were like a mid to late eighties, um, 
R&B group from Atlanta. They were produced by, was it Terry Lewis and Jerry Jam? Or maybe I'm Jerry Lewis and Terry, I, I might be confusing the first and last <laughs> names. But they, those two guys came out of the um, Minneapolis, was it Minneapolis Prince came from? Minneapolis? I think the, so. Somewhere in Minnesota? Um, they came out of the same scene Prince did. They came up playing the same songs and actually competing with him. Have you seen Purple Rain? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Purple Rain's competing with that band at the time, okay. right? And they're both sleezing each other out, trying to become the best band. There's a big battle of the bands thing. Well, Jerry Jam and Terry Lewis were these two guys that were either in the time or had their own band that was close to the time. But they were basically playing music at the, before Prince got big, all in the same scene together. Prince got big, went and did his thing. The time did their own thing. Jerry Jam and Terry Lewis left and started co-writing songs. They found... Um, this group from Atlanta and started producing them and it was in the era where like the 808 had just come out so it was like heavy like sequence bass line heavy sequence drums with the 808 and then just like all typically between 90 to 110 BPM like long form jams that in my head were like big part of like dance and like top chart R&B music in like the mid to late 80s and like I'm kind of rediscovering this tempo range. It's like, oh, maybe this is my favorite dance music. This 110 BPM range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of, yeah. Uh -huh. And so like that, and that is an example of like computer sequence and control music because all that stuff is sequenced pretty much. Um, a lot of it is. I shouldn't say all of it. But that has a ton of soul. It's just like dripping wet. And it's mm. just, there's like so much to, so much to groove to and dance to. And the lyrics aren't super deep either, but like you can just, you can just keep going with that stuff. Yeah. Whereas the Billy Ocean, I think, just was corny. Kind of, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So that's inspired, you said, some of these dance parties that yeah. you've been helping to put on. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about those? Like yeah. what the, because I feel like those are really important to me, understanding the way that like community building is part of the way that you sure. approach art. Mm -hmm. um, excuse me, the cinnamon roll is just, just such Staring a burden. Staring at you. The burden on me. Um, <laughs> Um, me and a buddy, Alex Rickle, who is the head of the band Future Killer, we at, we th he had a birthday party last November. I was like, hey, let me play some records. He's like, cool, sure thing. And I, I showed up, and <laughs> somehow there's a disconnect in my brain because I told him I would come over and play records, and then a week before his birthday party, I was like, oh, wait, I don't have turntables. I'd never have had turntables, so I don't know. I don't know what, <laughs> I know what I was thinking. I don't know in what universe I thought that telling someone that I could come and play records and DJ their party was like an acceptable uh, truth because <laughs> it certainly was a lie. Um, so I was like, oh shit, I have to uh, figure this out. Yeah. So I like started scrambling for iPad apps because that's the only thing I could feasibly do this with. Found this one that plugged into Spotify. I'm such a millennial. And I like made a playlist that's like 40 hours long or whatever of just all the songs that I've listened to that I think would be cool. And so when I, that's why I said I didn't DJ this party, selected it. Because yeah. I don't know how much DJing yes, I was really doing. Yeah. But that's a lot of the, what DJing is. It is. DJing, DJs have to be selectors. Judging the vibe and picking out what's mm -hmm. going to. Exactly. Yeah. But it was cool because I was excited. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I know he's down with my taste in music. I'm going to finally throw a dance party that is, is devoid of all the things that I'm sick of, mm -hmm. of all the other dance parties that happen in town. Mm -hmm. So we did it. And it was like so so it was like unexpectedly fun i mean it we knew awesome. it was gonna be fun yeah but it was like excuse me it was just like absolutely 
like I don't know the the vibe was so right and like people were dancing so hard and the thing that killed me is that when I go to like you know I go to sides in town sometimes I used to go all the time for like for a year and a half I would go every single weekend really oh yeah I like it was like going to church for me it was like yeah I have to go and it may or may not have been like infused with like you know wanting to meet somebody but like even <laughs> even after that ended that yeah. like it was still a thing even me and after my buddy. you met her <laughs> yeah it, we we did it a lot like we yeah. loved doing it it yeah. was just like getting sweaty with strangers you know there's something Love there that. in that but like i i one of my my favorite moments in nights like those is just like a song is playing that you know everyone is getting down to and usually when i dance a lot of times i have my eyes closed but like looking up and seeing everyone else get down mm-hmm. to the same thing and i'm just like oh this is so cool yeah and like everyone's just like they're moving to the same beat so you have this weird abstract connection to this individual you're never going to talk to or nor you would you talk to because you might actually think they suck mm-hmm. but like you, there's a connection happening there and i think that that bridging that disconnect is so important but what happened different at this dance party is that i was playing the music and not only was i looking up every five minutes and seeing people like absolutely dancing their ass off but they were smiling and that's something i didn't see at these other dance parties people were just yeah. dancing but there were ulterior motives but when it, at this party i looked up people were smiling there was no ulterior motive it was i am enjoying the shit out of this out of dancing of right, right now. now and nowhere yeah. else and with these people uh-huh. you know and so i told them i was like man that was really fun like the day after actually no it was the night of i was driving home at like 4 30 in the morning i was like that was really fun we should do this again he's like yeah so we ended up doing a um new year's eve party and we ended up kind of just like t- doing the same thing. And he plays a huge role in this too, by the way, which I don't want to minimize. He does all of the um, the aesthetic design. Yeah. Like he which turns is intense. It's not just like super there are some decorations. Like both times it's been like decorations totally is, atmospheric. Like yeah. just transform the space into. It's like Meow Wolf. Yeah. Le- yes, not like level almost. stuff, but it's like it's in that. It's it, DIY it, Meow Wolf. This, exactly. Yeah. It's the same sensibility because, you know, we're working with the limited budget yeah. here. But like the idea that like we can just take this like garage and make it this absolute um, fifth dimension where yeah. people can step into and just forget. You know, it's like you were in a movie theater. You forget that there is someone up there in the projector room, right? Because mm-hmm. all the walls are black, you know, yeah. like you're just you're zoned in. We're trying to make this space like a place where the only thing that makes sense is dancing and you're not trying to see like you could, I how it was engineered. I could even tell you how big the space is. Exactly. Too, because it, it's been so different both times mm-hmm. and there's so many people packed in there. Yeah, the aesthetic design of it too is so important to both of us because we just feel like the other dance parties in town either are mediocre because the music selection's lame, which that's, you know, that's always up for debate because mm-hmm. there's no objective truth to that. But we also feel like that a lot of them are being lazy because they just do it at this bar or... They do it in this situation where there really isn't that much energy being put into it. And the way we see it, there's there's a lot more than just the music. You have to kind of complete, like you wouldn't you wouldn't work on a short film for two years of your life and then screen it in the middle of a parking lot at 12 o'clock at noon. You know, <laughs> right. like no one's gonna like no one's gonna watch yeah. that film because yeah. people are gonna be wondering like, you know, like is this you know what's gonna happen? You know, so you have to like kind of focus the other end of it so i don't see even though i've had so much fun at these local dance parties there have always just been this like negative aspect of distraction or just like oh this is a bar scene being mixed with people that want to dance like it wasn't as pure as it could be so we wanted to really make this wonderful beautiful space where we could actually do this service and we actually and we actually tried to have you know simple shit that i can't believe a lot of people aren't doing like having a subwoofer 
you know, like that's completely essential for me if you're having dance music. So yeah. we really tried to like pay attention to every spectrum of what having a good dance experience entails and giving those good attention. And so we did, took his birthday party, did the same thing for New Year's Eve on a much larger scale, a much more intense scale. And it was, and then we also, this is purely Alex's idea, which is amazing. Or WG, I guess that's, that's his public moniker. Um, is having a not a dress code but like a costume call i guess mm-hmm. like every party has a theme for example the birthday party was called the cult of the colors or cult of color mm-hmm. and um you just had to wear it's always something that anyone can afford you know you wouldn't spend more than five bucks doing it or something but it's just something that makes you participate so you can't just show up and like be apart from everybody you have to like you were part of the like decorations it's like you walking to church yeah. and dipping your hand in that same dirty <laughs> pool of water and doing the sign of the cross thing like yes. you have to you have to do the same thing Absolutely. entering the space so that birthday party was everyone has to wear the same color it, any color you want but you have to be uniform in it so mm-hmm. you know be you, and there's no planning so people come in and you're like oh you pick green you pick yellow like that's mm-hmm. so cool and you start to think about these things like how does this reflect your personality why did you pick that kind of outfit you know so a lot of these things start to open up literally just in the choice of clothing that everyone had to participate in yeah. and for new year's eve the idea like the name of the party was like lit or it was like some corny thing we were just trying to make fun of that word but like everyone had to wear something that either glowed or was bright in some way or high biz or just something that like when we turn the lights off after midnight when the ball drops or the uh-huh. balloons popped that the light wouldn't be coming from club lights or anything yeah. it would be coming from people so the people were the natural light source for this environment and that coupled with you know dance tunes which i think are just the fucking bomb.com sos band whatever you know like it, it just created this completely magical moment where I got to replicate the experience of looking up and seeing people dancing and smiling at the same time mm-hmm. and not leaving. Yeah. And that was the part that this just that right there. There's just something so strong to be said about that. And there's also something so sad about when the night finally comes to an end and that mm-hmm. like, you know, people can't do it anymore. And me realizing like, Oh, that was temporary. Like this mm-hmm. can't last forever. It's almost like I, this is almost like a, you know, how people describe a drug experience or something, yeah. but it was like something constructed, um, socially and with music as the back, as the, like, as the engine for that experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and like, and, um, it's interesting cause I haven't talked to you in too much depth about, um, I've, either of these events. I mean, other than just like our personal experiences mm-hmm. at them. Mm-hmm. Um, right, but not really about the philosophy behind it or anything, or the way that you go about planning it. Cause yeah. I, but the what you're saying totally like is the experience that you all yeah. pulled off for me as someone who was just attending. Yeah, that's like exactly all of that. That's is awesome. How it, is how it felt, and and was also like I went with my like best friend Emily, mm-hmm. and both of us like left both times being like. That's like exactly the thing that I want to be happening every time party, I'm yeah. like, do you want to go out? Like, yeah. and it's just not happening anywhere. And then yeah. it happened there. And like still like two months later, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that New Year's party and yeah. being like, damn, I wish I could have been like constantly for right. my life. Right. But of course that would be. And to tie this in like. it would be miserable. Right. You can't just have that all the time. But exactly. But you know, it is like, yeah, it's pretty. It has to be punctuated. Yeah. But it's like. 
and the I know it's it's amazing hearing that too because it's like it's just cool hearing the, the freedom that people were able to at least taste mm-hmm. in that environment and that like that goes back to you know like the the original dance move in America or in America was like totally um, founded and rooted in that that need to feel freedom and that need to experience that with strangers and experience that with other people and other people that don't feel accepted by society you know and like creating just this you know what now that i'm thinking about it the same reason that people fucking love their superhero movies and they love star wars and all that shit which people think is great are the same reasons that people can and should love a good dance music experience because it is completely escapist but it it makes you look back on the reality you have to step back into yeah and to consider it in a different context because you've experienced this thing that is like supposedly could never happen in that reality but you experienced it right but it did you saw this awesome story being told to you or you just had this wonderful night and now you have to like figure out how which is often painful how to integrate that back into like humdrum reality where you have Mm -hmm. to file taxes and like work for a living blah 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 Mm -hmm. but like it can give you a different perspective on things just like when people say you need a vacation gives you a different perspective it does on yeah it's just it's like world building mm-hmm. and like exactly. place building in this way that makes you uh sort of like reconsider the way that you conceptualize your daily landscape mm-hmm. because it's like the whole it's like a whole sort of artificially manufactured landscape yeah that is, is built for you for that period of time mm-hmm. and it's also i found it interesting too like going around town like the vast majority of the people at those parties I haven't known because they've been like your friends, you know. Oh, finally, <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, like going around town, you're doing like your humdrum thing. You're like mailing some letters. You're like, and you see those people. You see an ally. And the only time you've ever seen them is at that. And you're like, yeah. oh, you're living a normal life today too. Like yeah. I thought that you only ever were at dance parties. Yeah. And the last <laughs> that's time the I saw you. The only time that I know you. Yeah. The last time I there. saw you, your face was glowing, <laughs> and you had yes. like lights hung around. And your now neck. you're at the Goss Avenue Kroger. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, and totally, and I, and I love that cheese. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Or I hate that cheese, you yeah. know? I can't believe it. Yeah. But, like, I think that's the thing, too, that's starting to emerge is, like, how that experience, it, it again, back to that idea of co-authorship, um, the name of the, the thing we're doing is, is me and Alex, me or WG of the dance parties, that the entity behind it, mm-hmm. our duo, basically, it's called Something, mm-hmm. which is kind of this silly name, but it's just... It's something, it's supposed to be something, well, there you go, that like you assign meaning to and the process of dancing in a room with those people and not having a, a place where, you know, where like the DJ or, or someone is like the center act that you're supposed to be paying attention to. It's like definitely not about that. Mm-hmm. It's something where like the experience itself is a co-authored experience and you made it with other people who are kind of thrown into the same situation as you. I'm just there to help you yeah. realize that. And so like the name is very amorphous and it's and it's supposed to reflect the the scene or the actual experience itself in which like there's this blank slate to which you can write to. Yeah. You know, and like you can find your own awesome experience and meaning in we're just kind of like setting the stage for that to happen yeah 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 like you're animating the landscape exactly yeah animating yeah. is a, and a, the perfect word and i've thought about that word but because i'm vocabulary deprived it's a real sickness it's in that book <laughs> that's set by the doctors that say people have problems i forget what the book's called but i have <laughs> prime example yeah, word you forget d- what the book's called <laughs> yeah exactly i just you know the recall is not there but animated is the right word yeah it's mm-hmm. pretty awesome but i do want to talk about upcoming projects 
I could go forever. I could go forever, too. <laughs> this is just what we do. If you're wondering what happens at the Mayan Cafe back in the little service booth, yes. it's pretty much this. Yes. Just interrupted by... Uh, all you rude people trying to eat all there. All you rude people trying to give the Mayan Cafe your money. How dare yeah. you? How you stop our conversation? Keep me employed. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'm sure we'll continue all of these conversations. Mm-hmm. And we could have... There's so many points of entry like brought up throughout this. And I'm like, I could have a whole episode about that. I know, right? But, yeah. Again. People can't sit and listen to five hour long podcasts. No, they cannot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and nor should you. Nor should you. Yeah. Get a life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop listening to podcasts yeah. for nerds. Except for mine. Yeah. Except Please for Grace's podcast. Please continue to listen to my podcast. But Grace keeps it gracious, tight, and uh, important and significant. So you should only listen to her podcast. <laughs> and you should take the moment right now to pull that phone out and delete your subscriptions to every other podcast <laughs> that are subscribed that are not close sound with Grace Ann Rogers. Yes. Because they're just a waste of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been saying this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... Oh, wait. I think I, there's something on the back of this index card that Grace handed to me telling me to read this. Hold on. No. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, no. I think that was it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Okay, okay. Okay. So, it was, oh, that was an inner thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Tyler. No problem. Um, wondering what is up with you artistically this... In this period of time. This when is Limelight coming out? It is coming out mid to late May. Mid to late May. I haven't established a date on it yet. Okay. But that's when it'll come out. Um, however, the other one thing you should definitely be aware of is if you see a party and you're invited to a party and it's thrown by something, you should go. You should go. So you can experience yeah. all the wonderful tastes of that I've been talking about here. That's and um, maybe taste something different for yourself. If you've been unhappy with your own dance life, or if it's non-existent, let's get it started. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, limelight. And you can always come to my... I have a nice rug in my room that I dance on a lot to Tyler's <laughs> album, Limelight. This is an amazing rug, yeah. Yeah, it's from the, my parents' attic. So if you're looking for a good rug to dance on and you're not weird and creepy and stupid and i don't want to talk to you mm-hmm. then <laughs> come on over yes that's the same for me actually i never thought yeah. about it that way i never <laughs> never invited people over but if i can say that you're not weird and stupid and creepy and um <laughs> you know just general bum then uh yeah come over come over and let's dance yeah i live at 3846 southern parkway <laughs> apartment 2 louisville kentucky 40214 <laughs> um my door is typically locked but if you uh knock hard enough or dance in the street i'll let you in yeah oh one last thing Mm -hmm. how to carry yourself in a coffee shop oh my god i'll turn that on you how do you carry yourself in a coffee shop um i try to be like friendly to the people Mm -hmm. but like not to the people at the counter you know the employees you're mean to them no i'm friendly to them. Oh, oh okay i try to be friendly to them but like not too not too personable like oh sure you know i don't want them to feel obligated to like yeah be friends with you be friends with me yeah you're buying coffee yeah i'm buying yeah. coffee they're not giving it to you exactly that would be a whole different that would be a whole different scenario yeah and then i often study in coffee shops mm-hmm. being in school and all i just go around this whole city and i'm just always in a coffee shop studying a different one mm-hmm um, and I sit there on my laptop and do that 
but I make sure the sound's off of my laptop or I have my headphones plugged in. Let me tell you this. Do you ever have a moment of self-consciousness where you're reading a book in a coffee shop and then you pull out your phone and you look on Instagram? Do you think that someone's watching you and judging you? Oh, and you? it's like judging you? You're like, oh, that yeah. person's just another like oh, slave yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Do yeah. you ever like, because I, I was in the coffee shop the other day, I think I was doing laundry. So I was just like there like sorting some stuff out on my laptop. And I was just like, what if someone's conducting a social experiment right now and they're just seeing how people behave in a coffee shop. And then I was, that just opened up this bigger question of like, how many times in public have you been part of a social experiment or observation? Oh, I wonder. Yeah, and like, are you being watched and are yeah. people taking notes on your behavior? So do you, when you're at a coffee shop, do you act in such a way that <laughs> you're trying to influence the results of their experiment? Yeah. Or do you behave completely authentically as if you're in what your is, bedroom alone? But what what is authentic? What is authenticity? Well, I yeah. guess. Because like, aren't you trying to please people? Authentic isn't the right word then. Yeah. Then are you behaving and are you just behaving as if as if you were sitting alone in your bedroom? Yeah. It takes me back to uh, your song title, Panopticon Paradise. Oh God, yeah, yeah. That's um. <laughs> so. That's a thing maybe too. Maybe we're being watched. Everyone's in the limelight. <clears throat> it has nothing limelight. to do with my album the limelight but but you are in the limelight but you're in the limelight constantly or if you want to put it in a little more negative terms the panopticon yeah you're it's, it's panoptic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're being watched yeah and on that note yeah listen to tyler's music yeah i will link to all the things thank you grace hold on there's hold on, hold on, hold on. do you have something on your phone Oh, this, I just had a couple questions for you. Cause I oh, was, for me? Yeah, I'm curious about what okay. you think about these. This is a really easy one. Uh, if you had kids one day, would you let them curse? Oh, yeah. Totally. For sure? Oh, depending on the age. But, like, past, like, uh... Three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely, like... I think maybe past, like, six or seven. Oh, great. Because you have to, like, teach them, like okay now like don't do that at school though yeah. or in, in front of i mean it'd be fine in front of my parents whatever so you would care. let them curse but, but tell them like hey other people aren't gonna be cool with this yeah. but like just yes. know that me like treating katie, you like katie and winnie exactly like, that's right yeah she just laughs winnie will say something really fucked up and winnie katie <laughs> katie will just whisper herself she's like oh my god but like winnie she, knows not to do it like she knows where yeah. she can and can't do it right you know winnie is is, is very smart yes mm -hmm. so that's my answer to that and then this is a little bit more of a loaded question. Okay. How would you, you're at a party full of friends and maybe not friends, but yet to be friends. Uh-huh. How would you handle an East or West Coast snob <gasps> at a party? Oh, that's when I code switch into my full, like, Appalachian dialect and start just saying shit that, like, is totally unacademic and they can't understand. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Just to fuck with them. Oh yeah. Oh God That's when bless I turn that on. God bless you. That's 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 funny. I never anticipated you answering that, but like, wow. Yeah. That's, that's like exactly just... what I would want <laughs> from someone. To, <laughs> what do to you do? That. Um, I, I mean, I definitely would have a bit of like this, fuck you mentality, uh, yeah. and I would start because I definitely do. I don't trolling isn't the right word, but if I see someone who I like is living out all the stereotypes of a of a stereotype i start to do things just to kind of fuck with them and just uh -huh. i do my own little social yeah, experiment right but so i guess that's kind of the same thing similar you would do thing, but you just reaction. said it in a way that you're like oh no i'm just gonna go nuts with it yeah yeah good <laughs> good because i i too. i'm there's a lot of a lot of pressure on 
or there's a lot of like weight to the idea that those are the cultural centers and things of America and blah blah blah, which is you know bullshit because those are just the big ones and people like to place things in terms of them. Yeah. It's... But it's like, if you think about it, they have their own like weird stereotypes and trends and fads oh, yeah. that are just like literally a product uh like they're just like um afterthoughts that are now made canon just because it came out of those places you know yeah it's it's who gets to decide I don't know. these things it's like who gets to decide what what counts as history who gets to decide they're like, cults they're just cults that's all cult is the new family union <laughs> in, in your own in your words mm-hmm. God bless. God bless. Amen. Amen.